Let's face it, we're all knackered. The nights are getting longer and colder, and even though the end of this relentless year is in sight, it's even more important than ever to be looking after our mental well-being. That's why Third Sector has launched a free digital briefing that will focus specifically on supporting well-being in the charity sector. Taking place on the 10th of December, the briefing will feature case studies and presentations from industry leaders on how you can best support yourselves and your employees in an immensely challenging environment. And it's going to cover absolutely everything from implementing employee benefits when you have limited funding to supporting remote working. And you can sign up for the event for free at www.thirdsector.co.uk forward slash wellbeing in the third sector. We hope we'll see you there. Hello and welcome to the Third Sector Podcast. I'm Rebecca Cooney, Senior Features and Analysis Writer. And I'm Emily Burt, Editor of Third Sector, the UK's leading publication for the voluntary and not-for-profit sector. Each month, we're delving a little deeper into some of the conversations being had in our community, learning more about exciting innovations and probing some of the issues we're facing. This month, we're looking at job hunting in the charity sector. We'll be talking to Joe Edmonds, Commercial Director at Haymarket, and Linda Griffiths, Associate Director at Prospectus, a recruitment agency specialising in the not-for-profit sector. And as ever, we'll be bringing you our coronavirus care package. Good things in the sector that have grabbed our attention this month. But first, Rebecca, how are you feeling? It's November. I can't believe it's November. It's November. Yeah, it, it, somehow in, in my head it is simultaneously November and about mid-April. <laughs> yeah. like this year just stopped stopped running in mid-April. And I'm like, what do you mean it's, it's nearly Christmas? Um, but no, yeah, it's, uh, it's November. I'm starting to look forward to Christmas much earlier this year, just for something to look forward to, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I know that feeling. But I do also feel like we have more to look forward to now. I don't know if this is just me being almost naively optimistic, but I feel like we might have finally hit something of a turning point in this horrendous horrendous year what do you think I mean I think there is a lot to be optimistic about obviously uh we've uh, got Trump is didn't get a second term um uh, as far as everybody else in the world apart from him is concerned he didn't get a second term so that's uh, yeah. President Joe Biden coming in in uh January uh is is cause for celebration exciting times yes and um I think so and yeah. vaccines on the horizon I I'm a bit I'm a bit nervous about getting optimistic about the vaccines, to be honest. Uh, it, just this year has really beaten me down and turned me into a pessimist. So, you know, maybe I need you to inject some sunny optimism into that. I can't help but be optimistic about the vaccines. I I need something to hang on to right now. And I think when the um, Pfizer vaccine, which was the first one to come out, when that was announced, I was like, no, I'm going to be cautious. But now we've not only got Pfizer and BioNTech, we've got the Moderna vaccine, and we've got the Oxford University and AstraZeneca one. So I think it just feels like things are starting to move. And of course, there's a lot that's got to happen, obviously, before they get rolled out. We're going to need more trials to prove that it's safe. We're going to need uh, the development of billions and billions of doses. Um, and we still don't fully know how how effective it's going to be in the long run. But, you know, it is the first step. And I think it's just so needed <laughs> at this point. Um, <laughs> yes. I can't can't help but feel optimistic. But then I'm also just because of the way this year has gone, waiting for the headline, which goes something along the lines of Circo Fridges only store things at, you know, minus five degrees or something like that. Um, and it'll turn out that we've ordered hundreds of fridges that are just totally incapable of actually storing it safely. So 
I, I can understand cynicism as well. Uh, well, we'll all be, hopefully, we'll all be in the pub by about May. Absolutely. Do you know, I think at the end of this year, what we what we really need to do is um, put together almost like a, a, a single rundown of our first bits of introductory podcast where we're just talking about the events of the day. Because if you go back to the January yeah. one and you listen to us in there, it's absolutely dreadful because we're all in there um, just being like, oh, wow, 2020 is getting off to a chaotic start. And we sort of talk about the fact that Australia's on fire for ages. And then right at the end, we go, oh, yeah, and there's this virus thing um, over in Wuhan. <laughs> That's that's uh, that's strange, isn't it? And you, I I listened to it a, a couple of uh, months ago, actually, and I just thought, oh, you poor simple darlings, you have no idea. <laughs> so sweet summer child. At least we're now in a place where we're talking about vaccines, so that is good. Yes, this is this is very true. So, should we get on with the podcast? Let's get on with the podcast. In August, Pro Bono Economics Charity Sector Tracker found that almost 60,000 voluntary sector jobs could be lost by the end of the year as a result of the coronavirus crisis. Each week, new charities are announcing redundancies and restructures, with some announcing more than 1,000 job losses in one go. But despite the falls in income, charity services are more needed than ever. So what does that mean for the charity job market? What is the outlook for people searching for new jobs in the voluntary sector? What opportunities are there? And what things do charity job seekers need to bear in mind? To answer these questions, I spoke to Joe Edmonds and Linda Griffiths. Joe is commercial director at Third Sector's publishing company, Haymarket, and oversees the recruitment adverts on the Third Sector job site. Joe, thank you very much for joining us. So judging from the adverts we're getting on Third Sector's jobs board, how has COVID affected the charity jobs market? Are we seeing the same number of jobs being advertised at the moment as there were last year, for example? Well, as you referenced yourself, Rebecca, the research conducted by the Pro Bono Economics in partnership with the Institute of Fundraising and Charity Finance Group stated that there could be up to 60,000 jobs lost in the charity sector by the end of the year. This, of course, um, has been reflected in the jobs market for, ch- for the charity sector, not just in the number of vacancies being advertised, but also in the number of users we are seeing on the site, registering, uploading their CV and applying for jobs, where we've seen 29% more active users on the site. The supply of jobs in the market cannot match the demand. As you can imagine, after Boris addressed the nation announcing the first national lockdown, recruitment grinded to a halt for 95% of the population. To put this into perspective, First Sector saw an 86% drop compared to April 2019 in the number of jobs posted, with a decline in the number of organisations advertising by 65%. This trend has continued today and we have seen month-on-month increases on the number of jobs in the market being advertised. 94% more jobs in the market between August and October than there were between April and June. Despite all this, and to answer your question, Rebecca, No, there is not the same number of jobs being advertised at the moment as there were last year, with October seeing 62% less jobs advertised on first sector. Okay, so it's it's getting better, but it's still not back to where it was. Correct. It's getting better and we're seeing uh, more and more inquiries from um, many organisations within the sector um, looking to advertise, but it tends to seem more reactive than proactive recruitment. Are there any particular types of jobs that are available at the moment? Yeah, there are jobs available across all disciplines and seniority levels at the moment, with the exception of graduate and trainee type roles. Okay. We are seeing a yeah, we are seeing a lot of community and outreach related roles being advertised, along with fundraising, of course, operations and service delivery, 
senior management, board level, marcoms and finance. Charities are under extraordinary strain to deliver on their services with reduced resources during this pandemic, albeit having to enhance and improve their service delivery at the same time. Our job data shows that the share of these jobs have increased by 44% over the last three months with fundraising roles owning the bigger share. Okay, oh, so that's interesting. So it's the entry level and the graduate levels that seem to be a particular problem at the moment. Uh, otherwise, yeah. there are jobs available. Yeah, quite low in terms of numbers. Um, a lot of senior management roles um, you will see more of. Um, but that's from the first sector. In terms of the market, there's probably a few uh, graduate and entry roles being advertised. Okay. And are there any particular cause areas you're noticing where charities seem to be looking for more staff members? Yeah, again, so what, what, what we tend to do uh, when we're collecting data or looking at our, our jobs market on the first sector is look at the share of jobs and that gives a better indication of what's more popular or what's in demand in, for um, organisations. And the cause area of the highest share of jobs over the last three months has been in social care and welfare. Mm. This was no different to this time last year or in Q1 of 2020. However, the share of jobs in this area has dropped slightly by about 13% since March um, this year. Health and medical sector roles have surprisingly fallen by 21% compared okay. to other cause areas, whereas poverty, poverty relief has grown by 75% since the Q1 of this calendar year. That's interesting because you would think it would be the kind of care and the health charities that are seeing this demanded increase that are looking for more staff, but uh, it, it's not necessarily the case. No, um, obviously social care and welfare do do take the, in terms of a cause area, it does take the higher mm. share of jobs, but with medical and health, that their share of jobs has actually fallen, Yeah, which is surprising. You do, would expect to see more of those. That's really interesting. And are there any other trends that you've noticed within the adverts being posted at the moment? Yeah, the obvious one is uh, remote working and mm. the ability, the capability to be able to offer remote and home working for um, charity organisations. But, you know, there'll be central functions within a charity, maybe like Marcoms, whereas there's anything dependent on outreach and so forth, there may be needed to be more um, in office or office based. Mm. So, yeah, remote working is a is a big trend at the moment. Um, we've seen a lot of those being advertised. Mm. We're seeing more uh, DEI information, so diversity, equity and inclusion mm. data and information on job listings um, that charities are advertising. Of course, with the situation with George Floyd earlier in the year, it's a massive campaign for Black Lives Matter and uh, more diverse talent need to be mm. represented within not only charity organisations, but many organisations across the world. Yeah, that's something the sector's been very focused on. Yes, it's been very focused on that, and they, they're including that information more in their in their job ads. And also a part of the DNI, I suppose, where a lot of organisations are starting to look at or onboarding um, blind application or CV processes. Mm. Internal, in, internally, they'll collate CVs, but pass on the information to the hiring managers with without personal data or name, gender and so forth. Yeah. So we're seeing slightly different practices there than we would have been seeing previously. Yes. Yeah. And I think more people are focused on focus on those areas hmm. to try and improve. Also, another thing that you're very much aware of, Rebecca and Emily spoke to me about this is hmm. show the salary campaign, which was which is, of course, born out of frustration of the lack of action being taken to address pay gaps and inequity. We have seen a significant rise in salaries being disclosed in adverts. In fact, last month, 90% of our jobs on first sector had the salary promoted on the listing. Uh, we're also, as, as a brand, looking to take further steps 
with with that with the salary description it's a free text field and we're we're talking to our platform provider to see what limitations of functionality we can use and apply so the salary is always displayed but in fact we are also encouraging all of our all of our advertisers to include the salary in that salary description and we've also made the salary tagging because obviously it's salary bands mm. mandatory it wasn't mandatory before but now it is where people have to so people so job seekers can search for the jobs based on the salary brilliant that's really good to hear and so on that point looking at job seekers is there any advice you have for those seeking jobs or those looking to employ more people yeah definitely um with job seekers use trusted and leading brands in the sector like first sector <laughs> um not, not to plug in the brand but i know there's many platforms out there to look for jobs and many third-party recruitment consultancies that a lot of professionals go to when they're on the search for, on the hunt for jobs. Uh, another uh, key advice is to ensure that you've updated your profile on if you're if you've, you're signed up to third sector jobs or any other recruitment platform. Upload your CV so recruiters and employers can proactively find you. Um, I know it's tough right now, but charities are needing to replace lost talent or grow in certain areas as they reimagine for a new future. On the employer's front and organisations that are recruiting, um, I know it's very difficult to say is try not to be so reactive. I know if, if someone leaves, you have to react to that and replace or someone hands in the notice. You have to ensure that that person um, that that, that vacancy is filled. Try to have a proactive uh, mindset when it comes to recruitment. Think for the future. Think where the talent currently working, who you who you like to target and speak to speak to us, speak to other um other media or organisations that can assist in in the promotion of your organisation and um, can target relevant professionals. Because there's so many people out there at the moment looking for jobs due mm. to the pandemic. And it's all, it's all about that talent. And I, and I always believe, and this is my personal thoughts, that talent, although talent is so crucial for every organisation, and especially in the charity sector, it sometimes take a, takes... Um, a step back and is viewed as secondary to other needs mm. and requirements. Of course, not for their beneficiaries, but in, in regards to branding or promotion of an organisation. Recruitment is important and talent is important. And if you get the right talent, it means that you don't have to recruit again. So it's about getting the right people for the right job the first time round. Yes, and it's always difficult. It's e- always easier said than done. Um, mm. No one's always that lucky. But I believe with so much or so many mediums out there, a choice for organisations to advertise, it, I think it's an easy choice, especially when you're so focused on budget, which charities are, um, you know, their purse strings, they need to make sure that they're spending wisely, but it may not save them money in the long run. Next up, I spoke to Linda Griffiths, Associate Director at Prospectus, a recruitment agency specialising in the not-for-profit sector. I started off by asking her whether she's seen an increase in the number of people looking for jobs in the charity sector since the pandemic hit. Absolutely. I you know, know that when we started um, monitoring activity, um, we started to see, a, and we measured it as a 75% uplift in response levels um, from mm. applicants. Um, and, and we started receiving, I think, certainly for some of our senior roles, like director level roles, we were getting over, you know, 500 applications uh, for a, a single role, which is is unprecedented. Um, 
and and I think you know those those applications were coming from a real mix of people. So some were furloughed and and starting to explore other options. Um, some had been made redundant, and and of course there were also those that had already started looking for a new role. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. So we are seeing a, an increase in competition for jobs. Yeah, competition is high. Um, I'd say especially for for entry level roles. Although you know talented applications and, and applicants with you know relevant experience or or strong potential will will still shine through. Mm. And do you think it's likely that people who've been made redundant in the private sector are also going to be looking to move into charities and that that could be increasing competition through that channel? Yeah, I mean, this was already a trend, really, but before the pandemic, um, when people wanting to move from the commercial sector uh, and wanting to move into the sort of social impact charity space. Um, but yeah, we've definitely seen an increase. I think people are starting to reflect on on things and, and perhaps certain choices they may have made. Um, I think not only people that have been made redundant in the private sector, but I think increasingly those looking for a career change earlier on in their career as well. Hmm. And I suppose if people have been furloughed or if they're sort of looking at sort of how the world looks at the moment and all these stories about mutual aid and people supporting each other, that might perhaps encourage people to think about charity as an option. Yeah, absolutely. And and particularly, you know, in those early stages of, of lockdown, there was, you know, a, a definite increase in people just wanting to to think about exploring the option um, and, and definitely saying, you know, they've, they've had a change of heart and are wondering exactly why they're working for a, you know, global uh, bank say <laughs> and and actually you know we're all part of a community and it was it was clearer than ever than you know people needed to to make sure they could could give a social impact so what advice would you offer to people sort of within the charity sector who are looking for new jobs at the moment i would say you know be selective um about what you go for um, you know, really take time to, to look into what skills and experience the role requires and, and really assess if you have enough of what they're looking for. Um, you know, I think there's a, there's a good level of, of opportunity out there. I know that most recently, I think, you know, September was our busiest month since lockdown. We had sort of 57 roles live across, you know, all levels. Um, you, you don't need to have everything that, that the job description is after. I think that rarely happens, but, but really you need to have a good 60 to 70% of it. Mm. Um, I mean, I would, I would advise not trying to, to change too many things in your career all at once. So, you know, if you are looking to change, you know, sector, you know, even, you know, within the charity sector, um, do it in a function where you already have experience. And as if you're looking to move up the career ladder, I would say, you know, stick within a sector you know well. And um, you need to always be mindful of, of what your, your competition might be and, and what skills and expertise they might have. Um, and then advice, you know, I always give is, is to make sure that your, your CV highlights key achievements you've made within previous roles, not just a list of responsibilities you've had, but absolutely, you know, highlighting the, the difference you have been able to make for that organisation. Hmm. And that's interesting what you were saying at the beginning about kind of being selective, because I think perhaps the temptation, particularly if you've been made redundant or if your kind of job security is, is not looking as good as it could be, there is a temptation there to apply for as much and to sort of carpet vomit um, as much as possible. And you're saying perhaps that's not the best option. I think you can always tell, um, I think, when, you know, when uh, an applicant is applying for a role because they need a job and, and mm. we, we get that and 
you know, we recognize that, but you really need to tailor your application. You know, our clients need to know particularly why they're interested in working, you know, this role for this organization. So even if you keep your CV fairly standard, any sort of supporting statement needs to really start with a punchy paragraph saying why you're interested in this role in this organization. Don't be don't be disheartened. As I say, talented individuals will will still shine through, and there's a you know a big need in the sector now more than ever. Um, talented people are going to be needed to help you know meet the need. Um, so you know if you if you think you've got either the experience or the potential, uh, it's always worth putting that application in. Mm. We've got this sort of stark contrast between the income in the sector falling so the ability to pay salaries perhaps dropping off but at the same time this need is increasing and is spiraling and we are going to need staff so are you seeing charities trying to manage that with how they're you know the sorts of jobs they're they're putting out there yeah so i think certainly it's provided organizations with an opportunity to rethink you know perhaps how they deliver their services we've seen a lot more interest in um digital roles or digital transformation or an ability to transform service delivery in, in new and innovative ways and i think that will be a trend that will increase so you know some organizations though have actually you know seen an increase in in funding i i know they're they're few and far between but but they have and require you know more frontline staff or individuals to to grow their marketing in order to be able to to reach more people and um, i think it's thinking about sectors that yeah um individuals are needed in now more than ever and um, what sorts of sectors are they well, we've done a, a lot across um domestic abuse and um we've been working recently with um adoption and fostering agencies um children and young people and particularly youth unemployment and organizations mm. placed well to to tackle um the challenges that are going to be there uh, are areas where we've particularly seen a, an increasing demand yeah i think that was something we got quite excited a few months ago when there was a, a story saying something like 600 new jobs at the shore trust and it was such a break from kind of all the bad news of of charities making redundancies and then realizing that of course there are new jobs at the shore trust it's an unemployment charity and that that would be why i think that really sort of took the rug out from under our feet a little yeah but you you still as a as a candidate need to think about you know what are the core skills and expertise i have what is going to motivate me to be able to deliver for this organization every day and and focus on on those roles that, that apply rather than sort of chasing where the the money's going in the sector i guess mm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, brilliant. Well, thank you very much for joining us. That's been a pleasure, Rebecca. Nice to chat. So once again, we have made a list of a few interesting or cheerful stories that have caught our attention over the past month. Yes, it is our coronavirus care package. So first up, Rebecca, give me your first piece of good news for November. Okay, so first up, we've got new chief executives at Friends of the Earth. And I say chief executives because they've actually appointed it as a job share. So uh, it's Miriam Turner and Hugh Knowles are job sharing. And they've been job sharing in the role since uh, Craig Bennett left the organisation in February. But they've now been appointed permanently. And I just think it's a really interesting story about, you know, a a job. Because we talk about job shares in the charity sector. We talk about being more flexible. Um, but actually, it's still relatively rare for uh, the top jobs to be taken by two people doing a job share. Uh, Miriam's also the first woman to lead um, Friends of the Earth, which I think is is important to kind of note. Having two people leading an organisation saying, actually, this is 
this is actually what's best for the organisation is a really positive step. Um, They've both previously worked as director of innovation together. Uh, So clearly there is a partnership there that works. I just think it's a really interesting positive step. I've said that so many times. (laughs) I've never, ever heard of a chief executive doing a job sharing before. I mean, in the charity sector or in the private sector or anywhere else. I was kind of, I guess, vaguely aware of job sharing as a slightly woolly concept. But I can't remember the last time I saw it happening in practice and certainly not with, with chief executives. And I think that's an absolutely brilliant idea. Because it must be so positive to be at the very top of the organisation and to have someone who is on your level, who you feel like you can genuinely bounce ideas and, and, um, you know, possible strategies off without feeling as though you're kind of, I don't know, giving a directive or also having to Mm. do it in a way where you're, you're sort of explaining things in a charity to, say, the chair or the trustees. Because, again, there are all these different power dynamics happening at the top of that organization. I am so curious to see how this works out. Yeah, I think the idea of kind of support between equals is a really nice one. So interesting to see. Good luck to them. Uh, So what's your first bit of good news? My first bit of good news is that the John Lewis and the Fair Share Christmas ad is now out. Um, I am one of those people who waits for the John Lewis Christmas ad every year. It is one of those things that I'm a little bit silly about. I watch it every year. Every year I cry. Um, I don't know if I'm even crying at the content now or just crying because I know that this is it, you know, I'm I'm anticipating the tears before they even come. But you know, it's always a sign that Christmas is on the way for me when I watch the John Lewis ad and have a little weep into my cup of tea. Uh, and so uh, the John Lewis Christmas ad came out very recently, and I just thought that this year's message, which is to give kindness rather than to give gifts, was absolutely lovely. John Lewis have chosen to raise money for Homestart, a charity network that helps families with young children through challenging times. And they are raising money for Fair Share, the food poverty charity, through the ad, um, which basically over the course of two minutes just showcases acts of kindness um it's got loads of different styles of animation in it i don't know if you've watched rebecca but some of it is you know drawn animation some of it is stop motion Mm. there's some real life some cgi in there um and every small mini element of that animation was designed by a different artist uh so that's a nod to the creative communities and their experiences over this year and Apparently, the the entire foundation of the ad was that it was underpinned by acts of community and kindness that were shown across the lockdowns in this country. Things like leaving food on the doorstep for your self-isolating neighbours. And I thought it was brilliant. So I would thoroughly recommend that everybody take a couple of minutes to watch, have a cry. If, like me, you're a bit of a recreational crier. Um, And if you are in a position to send a few quid to Homestart and Fair Share this winter, they are two really, really important causes. Yeah, no, it is a lovely advert. And I think what's really nice is, like you say, there's all the different styles of animation, but then there's kind of characters that crop up in in different bits of the animation. So like there's there's like hip hopping pigeons and they turn up. I love the pigeons and the hedgehog. The pigeons and the hedgehog who wants to fly. It's very, very cute. Yes. Um, And there's an NHS worker. Yeah, it's lovely little notes like that, isn't it? That she's just got a uh, a lanyard on and you kind of go, you sort of realise that she's an NHS worker. You watch and you go, ah, oh, and then you go, give give her a pay rise, is um, <laughs> what I have shouted every time. I'm like, oh, look, it's an NHS worker. Give her a pay rise. Um, <laughs> Whatever she's on, it's not enough. Um, but yes, and um, so it's interesting. I was talking to Fair Share for... Um, 
purposes that will become clear in the next edition of the magazine. Something secret. For uh, uh, magazine purposes. And um, she was, I sort of was saying, you know, did you think at sort of January this year you would be kind of one of the partners in the John Lewis ad? And she was like, not in a million years. No, I never thought that was going to happen. Like they have worked with John Lewis previously because obviously they do a lot of stuff around food waste. Um, but she was, yeah, this year because of the themes around food poverty, because of the fantastic campaign with Marcus Rashford, just because it's something that I think so many more people are aware of, this charity is just kind of been catapulted into the spotlight in a really um, positive way, actually. And yeah, she just thought this would never happen in a million years. And now they are the John Lewis. They're on everybody's TV screens, uh, which is rather lovely. Totally lovely. Totally lovely. Um, All right, Rebecca, give me your next little bit of good news. You know me, you know, and I've said on the podcast before a couple of times, I love a good charity shop. Um, So this is a charity shop in Stirling in Scotland. Um, and it was for uh, Sight Action, which is a charity that helps um, children and babies with sight loss and blindness. Um, and somebody donated a Cartier bracelet worth £10,000. Yeah. Um, so apparently the bracelet donor didn't leave a name, uh, just gave the charity a host of items and didn't hint that the bracelet was believed to be worth up to £10,000. It was only when they were sort of looking at it. Um, yeah, they, uh, they realised uh, what it was. Um, so yeah I think that's just really lovely and generous and yeah very generous although imagine if someone thought you know I mean I know I'm being cynical and this probably was a lovely generous gesture from somebody but imagine if you were that person and you just thought it was a bit of your granny's old costume jewelry or whatever Mm. and you'd been kind of having it around in I don't know a basket for years and you just thought I'll put the costume jewelry in there only to see in the local newspaper that it was worth 10 grand (laughs) I mean you'd probably feel really you'd probably feel really good actually about that donation yeah just thinking well clearly I didn't want it that much anyway and now it's going to be helping out a whole load of people so snaps to whoever it was in Sterling that kind person out there who gave a Cartier bracelet to their local charity shop yeah nice one that's a classy move yeah what have you got for us now um well you've you've already mentioned the man of the hour marcus rashford uh he can do no wrong you know um he is my second shout out of the month um he's been doing incredible things since well i mean since this year began really he's been doing just phenomenal work most recently forcing the government u-turn on free school meals uh which they I saw, tried to very quietly sneak out while we were all distracted uh, by the American election. Mm-hmm. But most recently, uh, Marcus Rashford has just announced that he is launching a new project with Macmillan Children's Books to promote reading and literacy among children from all backgrounds in the country. Um, so the partnership has said it's going to focus particularly on getting books into the hands of children from vulnerable and underprivileged backgrounds. And um, Marcus Rashford is going to release his own line of books with the first one due for publication in May next year, which he says will always be for every child, even if he has to deliver them himself. Um, I just love everything that he's doing. I think it's incredible. He's, you know, 22 years old. So yeah, I just big shout out to Marcus Rashford. I think he's incredible. He's doing amazing work and I can't wait to see what he's going to be getting up to in the coming years. So that is me for the month. But Rebecca, I understand that you have one final good bit of news which I am frankly intrigued by please please tell me your last bit of good news 
I've left a slightly slightly cryptic note on the script about this one. So cryptic. I don't know if we've got any gamers among our listenership. I know that, you know, Gaming for Good obviously is, a, is quite a big deal and quite a, an interesting stream of fundraising that's going on. So there is a game called Half-Life 2. And as part of this, this video game, apparently th- there's a kind of side quest that you can do or sort of mission where you have um, a little innocuous garden gnome and you've got to get it from the beginning of the game to almost or just carry it without dropping it or breaking it while you're shooting people or doing whatever it is. I'm sorry, I've never played Half-Life 2. Sorry. Um, <laughs> can you tell? Not having played it myself, my understanding is that you've got to get this garden gnome from the beginning of the game to a rocket almost at the end and pop it in a, in a rocket ship somewhere near the end of the game if you want to get sort of it's kind of an extra achievement you can do alongside the main mission of the game and so uh, Gabe Newell who is the president of the development company behind uh, Half-Life 2 he is apparently literally blasting one of his own garden gnomes into space for charity Uh, so uh, there's going to be there's a a live stream which I believe is happening First thing this morning, actually, so it's already happened. Apparently, there'll be a $1 raised or donated for every person that watches. And wonderfully, this gnome is called Gnome Chomsky, which I rather love. Gnome Chomsky. So gnome Chomsky, the gnome, is, is blasting off into Spain. Are we to believe that at the time of recording, Gnome Chomsky is also entering the out, already entering the outer atmosphere? Is he kind of floating somewhere above us right now? Yes, I believe he is in orbit, yeah. That is... Um, so strange but i'm here for it <laughs> do we have any kind of idea of how much it's raised so far no so i think it, it took it took place kind of first thing in the morning and people are still kind of looking at the live stream so i don't think they've announced how much it's it's raised yet well i know what i'm going to do with the rest the rest of my friday afternoon i will be logging off this call and uh going to watch noam chomsky yeah. hanging out in the outer rim or i mean i don't really know space terms the outer rim that's somewhere <laughs> in space isn't it probably further out than this gnome is going <laughs> <laughs> well best of luck to him on that mission um i don't know if he's gonna be re-entering the earth's atmosphere or if he'll just be kind of circling us in perpetuity um but here's hoping that this raises a good amount of money um, uh, do we know which charity that they're raising for? It is the Paediatric Intensive Care Unit at the Children's Hospital Starship, which is in Auckland in New Zealand. Fantastic. Brilliant. That sounds like another great cause. Well, yeah. Um, what I don't even know what you say to astronauts over and out or, you know, up, up, up and away, Noam Chomsky. Um, we have liftoff. We have liftoff. Absolutely. Noam Chomsky has liftoff and uh, the very, very best of luck to him. We'll be back with another episode soon, so make sure you subscribe to this, the Third Sector podcast, on your favourite podcast app to be the first to know about it. Thank you to our guests, Joe Edmonds and Linda Griffiths, to the producer, Ben Lonsborough. Uh, just a quick note to say this is the last time Ben Lonsborough will be joining us, but he's done a fantastic job of producing throughout the pandemic. So we just want to say a special thank you to him. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, you never hear from Ben, but he is there quietly in the background, I'm sure shaking his head as he listens to us go wittering on about gnomes in space um and we know that you are going to just do brilliantly in your new role and as ever thank you to our audience for listening